Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solison. With me is my very talented friend, the mothers of all mothers, the mixtress, DC Gina. <laughs> Louise. Hi, lovely. It's real hot where I am right now, in case you can't tell by my red face. Well, your hair is appropriately placed then, all up and off in the neck. That's neck I stuck neck. it in a three-compartment sink and pulled it back. <laughs> you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah. I mean, as long as I'm not taking off my pants, I feel like it's still HR appropriate. Moving on. <laughs> well, the good thing is we can't see you below the bar, below the, the bar, so it doesn't matter. You can have no <laughs> pantalones on, and we would be none the wiser. <laughs> That's the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole nother kind of show. It so, is. This is a special episode. So let's start talking about mothers, shall we? Mm -hmm. So um, I found that Time Magazine reported on our country's top searched Mother's Day's, Mother's Day's gift in 2020. And they did it state by state. And according to them, the forever, the forever heart necklace was the most popular gift idea in Ohio. Here in D.C., it was chocolate covered strawberries and chocolate gift baskets in Mississippi an edible fruit arrangement in Oregon. Now, some other states went a different direction altogether, and I'm going to call them more practical gifts. Um, and I couldn't imagine ever getting these for my mother. Um, in uh, New Jersey, they often searched for um, fitness trackers. It was the bike cruisers in Arizona. And in North Dakota, good old North Dakota, healthy cookbooks. That's nice. What do you okay. get in New York? Uh, well, I don't know, but here's some other unusual money. ones. I was, yeah, oh, yeah, money. Uh, here's the unusual ones. Connecticut, close to New York, Connecticut. Um, topped item searched, garden animal statues. That would have been my mother. <laughs> <laughs> my mother would have had like some sort of fairy angel wing chime thing. <laughs> well, you, you probably inspired that because um, her angel was here in D.C. Um, in Pennsylvania, I don't under, even understand this one. Sheepskin pillows and Wyoming, apparently people like tea infusers. I will Data, say that. I will not be visiting Wyoming. <laughs> from there, please tune in. <laughs> so I've never got my mother any of those gifts. Have you received any of those as a mother or given those to mothers? No, what I would like, I'll tell you here, here's, here's my advice to everybody listening. If you want to give your mother or your spouse that's your wife a gift it is the gift of taking your children someplace far, far away for the entire day <laughs> and returning the following day with that piece of cake or something that you thought was your offering. And it sounds great. That <laughs> is my mother's day right? to me <laughs> sounds perfect. I hope Neil's listening. <laughs> he knows my stance on how much I like my children. I love them, but I don't have to like them. Exactly. Not every day. Um, so like I said, uh, this is a special episode. Just like Mother's, it's very special. And I'd like to call it the Mother Epping Hijackers episode. Why? Because we have two very special hardworking mothers who I know are just going to drive this right off the rails and I'm going to sit alongside and enjoy every minute of it. <laughs> so let's introduce today's designated drinker that's going to help Gina do this. Um, she is the deputy chief executive officer of Sunnyside Restaurant Group. She is also a hardworking mother just like Gina, Michelin Mendelssohn. Welcome to the show. Hey ladies, thanks for having me. Hi. Absolutely. So how do you guys know each other? 
That's a great question. I feel like we've known each other forever. <laughs> yeah, like kindred spirits, really. Kindred spirits. Uh, I Go ahead. We met at um, Michelin Penn Restaurant on uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, um, Bernays, and we met at the bar when she on opening night for the first time, and she was like, how don't we know each other? Yeah, let's know it was each one other. Of instant connections that where I thought, I need to know this woman now for the rest of my life. I'm like, I don't normally get picked up in a bar, but I loved it. <laughs> I do my best work at a bar. It, it was it was one of those things where you just know that you, you meet somebody and like, it, you just click, right? So you can, you never know when you're going to have someone come into your life. Like, you know, you, everyone says they meet their best friends when they're little or they went to college right. with them, but right. you're not really sure because your people come in different times and like, you know, Mitch and I have been together now. Bernays is how, when did you open that? Like 2010? No. No, it's been uh, six years. Six years was? Yeah, was I opened it six years ago. Really? I've closed it since, but yeah, it's been. It's only, it's only, it feels like for a lifetime. I thought it was longer, honestly. Well, it felt like a lifetime, which is why I had to close it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. So you guys met. Bef it's before you had kids though, Gina, right? Yeah. Like I rode a yeah. bike. Yeah. <laughs> I rode a bike and tried desperately not to get a BWI driving it. I mean, yeah, I think you can still ride a bike after you yeah. have children. I'm just, I haven't done it, but I think physically you're still capable just so you know. I bike home on the hill because I used to live on the hill at that time where yeah. Renee's was in Capitol Hill in DC, in Washington, DC. So, so I, and that's, I opened that restaurant and a year and a half into it, I got pregnant with my third. Wow. And that restaurant is a testament to not being able to have three children and run a fine dining restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying. Uh, and so we ended up having to close it, but it worked out great because I opened a taqueria in that space instead. So we serve oh, authentic Mexican food and Gina came on board and has made all our margaritas for us. I did. We have yeah. a working relationship, really. But let's, wait, I want to talk about this. So what do you have questions, Louise, before I hijack the show? What, tell yeah. me. No, I am ready just to run alongside you. My whole thing was like, how do you guys do the food and beverage okay. industry with children? I mean, it's hard. I, 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 we all know I don't have kids. I find working bear, I, I never wanted kids. So it all fits for me. But to watch you guys do what you do, I mean, it's exhausting. <laughs> So let's give, let's give the listeners a quick little, Micheline, sum, sum it up. Give us, give up. us what you own, okay. who you are, so, and then we're going to go from there. Okay, real quick without uh, taking the entire show. Uh, I come from a restaurant family from a bazillion years ago. My parents are in the restaurant business. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, the whole immigrant jumping off the ship, starting out as a janitor and then working his way up to opening his own restaurant. I always uh, thought that I would never go back into the restaurant business. My parents had a fine dining Spanish restaurant in Florida, and I can remember being the hostess and thinking to myself, I will never do this ever. <laughs> and so I decided to go to college and get a journalism degree. And then I got a master's degree in international relations. And I thought I'm moving to Washington, DC, and I'm going to be a reporter and I'm going to travel the world and it's going to be amazing. And I got to D.C. because the first job offer I got was at the Canadian Embassy. And I ended up doing PR and I loved it. And I had a knack for it, thinking uh, about doing all these amazing outside the box events. 
And so I did that for a couple of years. I opened my own PR company there, did a bunch of events. And then Spike, who's my younger brother, was a chef in New York working for Drew Nipperon. And Top Chef was, uh, had filmed two season. And I got a call from Spike and he said, hey, there's this like show and they're looking for chefs. And I think I should, you know, apply. And uh, we tried to apply for season three. He didn't get in, but he got on to season four. And my parents had, in the meantime, sold their restaurant in Spain and moved to Washington with nothing to do. And as Gina knows, my parents need day jobs, big time, because <laughs> they're maniacs. So what we you ended know they up- say the nuts don't fall far from the tree. I love Catherine and Harvey, but I will 100% attest you crazy, crazy, full on crazy, like on, like on par. Go, go ahead. <laughs> So I was working, I was living on Capitol Hill and I saw this shop that had gone out of business called Pulp and I called my parents and I said, this would be a perfect restaurant. At the time, there was just these famous bars, Hawk and Dove and Tune In and, and my parents got there and they said, oh my God, this space is too small. I don't think it's going to work. How are we going to do it? And so then um, what we decided was that... Um, well, they actually said, you know what? This would be a great hamburger spot. And Spike was in New York get finishing the Top Chef show. And me with my PR background decide. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to see? do it. I had to. <laughs> so if, I didn't, if I didn't crash the, the pod, I wouldn't be a good brother. Hi, exactly. Spike. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Are you surfing at the beach? What are you doing? Man, you know, I wish I was surfing. It's so windy today. I wish you was surfing too right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead, we're, we're, we're day drinking, as you can see. Duh. Perfect. So Perfect. We're doing that and that as well. So anyways, I'll let you guys get back to it. <laughs> Spike, we'll have you on another episode. That's Never, awesome. Gina. Never. Totally. Absolutely. Vegan burgers. We got you. <laughs> Go, keep going. So Spike got off of Top Chef and me with PR, I said, let's wait and open this restaurant till Spike's show airs on Bravo. And so we kind of, it just kind of all worked out. And at the same time, the Obamas, right, were making a push and had won the presidency. And so we kind of opened Good Stuff Eatery in what I love to call is the golden age, right? The, Ob- the Obamas had gone into office. Spike was just off of a national television show in D.C., as Gina can attest to, and I'm sure you too can, Louise. There was no real, like, celebrity chefs yet. That was a thing that was just kind of percolating 12 years ago. Yeah. And we opened our doors, and my mother, who's a chef, is very adamant about food quality. And so we had food quality, we had national television, we had Obama's, it was all kind of working for us. And so we opened our first location on Capitol Hill and then opened a We The Pizza, which serves pizzas and Italian sodas next door. And then as Gina said- If you're listening to the show, she opened Good Stuff Eatery. Yes. (laughs) That's the name of the first store. (laughs) And then- um, She's in PR, folks. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for that, Gina. Uh, we the pizza next door. And then as Gina just said, I opened a fine dining French restaurant for days because uh, Spike wanted to be taken as a serious chef and not just a pizza and burger guy. And I got pregnant and I thought, you know what? These late hours and all this craziness, I'm not into it. And so then we turned that into a fast casual restaurant called Santa Rosa Taqueria. And nice. so I own those three stores on Capitol Hill and we franchise them around the states and overseas, and we have 14 locations. 
That's amazing. amazing. It's amazing to hear when like that, that tipping point, like to your point, all of those things came together and you were smart enough, obviously, to pump the brakes on it a little bit, wait for it all to catch up. And you just rode a really amazing wave. And it wasn't all by happenstance. It was your insights to know this. All of these things are moving. But hold on. Let's just wait two seconds. Take a breath and let's wait. And that's those were brilliant insights. We did. Thank you. We actually sat on the location, which is unheard of, for four months before we opened wow. it. Wow. Yeah, because it's lost revenue, right? I mean, lost it wouldn't revenue. make outsider looking in and be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But the truth right. is, I applaud you for your insights. It that worked. was brilliant. Thank you. So so when you're listening to this, are you tired yet? Are you saying, <laughs> wow, that's a lot of work for a human that just had three humans come that's- out of their, their body? Right, right. <laughs> That's just a little bit of what I do. (laughs) I feel like that's the truth. Once you have children, like it changes, like it flips. That is a little bit of what you do. And then you have, you know, you have these humans that 100% depend on you. And then you become this other person. And you take on this persona. And like one one of the reasons I definitely, I wanted you to tell your story is because I find it fascinating how you balance that lifestyle and you go home and you have three kids and you have your parents and you're doing all stuff and you're traveling overseas and you're opening franchises in Saudi Arabia, Egypt and everywhere else. And yet my friends that are single can't seem to get someplace on time. <laughs> I mean, I still don't get to places on time, but yeah. You have like, you have a million excuses. Here's my question to you. And I want to, and people are listening, this is really it. Talk about it from the mom perspective. I want, I want somebody to walk somebody through a day because I think that this is what I find always more fascinating is how do you, you start your day and most people don't realize this, but, but entrepreneurial women or people that own their own business, especially moms, wake up generally around the 4.30 hour and work until your children get up and then stop. Yeah. So yeah. So what is that normal look your, like? Yeah. Walk, walk, yeah. walk somebody that, 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 you know, doesn't believe in what so, happens Right. Right. So in normal days, when the kids get to school, that's actually when moms have a break and get to their jobs. Right. So I wake up early because I try and take about 30 to 45 minutes just for myself before anybody else wakes up. And I never want to wake up like it's always a struggle, but it just sets me up for my day. Like I'm able to figure out a plan and see like what's going to come up. So I usually wake up about 6.30. I get the kids up, feed them, get them ready for school, make lunches. You know, kids don't want to wake up. You know, that whole idea of like getting everybody out of bed, brush your teeth, get dressed, come downstairs, eat, and kind of go off to school. And then as soon as they go off to school, I usually get in my car and drive to Capitol Hill. And then starts kind of like a full work day for me. But I'm lucky in the sense that I have my own business. So if I need to run to school for a play or a doctor's appointment (laughs) or, you know, one of the kids had an accident at school, I got to run and get, you know, get them or different clothes. I mean, the million things that come up during the day happen. But the most interesting thing that I love about restaurants that I have to say and that I really love about this industry is how you're doing a million things in one day. And it's super tiring, but it keeps it exciting and fun. And I kind of love to feed off of that, even though by the time four o'clock rolls around, I'm exhausted. But so in my scenario, I have three kids. I have Catherine, who's 10, Bella, who's eight, and Wesley, who's three. 
And so at four o'clock, I'll leave. I'll go get Wesley at daycare. I will drive. So I'll drive into Arlington, pick him up from Capitol Hill, drop him off at back at the house where I have somebody that kind of helps me for a little bit, because then I have to go pick up my daughter, drive her to Capitol Hill because she has a dance class, right? Or the other one has like a gymnastic class. So that's what I like to call the Uber driving part of my day. For like (laughs) two hours, I become a personal driver. And so I'm just shuffling kids from one area to the next, you know? How many phone calls do you take in that shuffle? Uh, On the phone all the time all the time. Right. And like, as my son is getting his backpack on, I'm texting somebody. Right. So I do that. And then I get home. And what I love about my dear husband is nine out of 10 times, he'll say, so what's for dinner? What, what do you make? I got one of those. What are you having? And so then, and I love to cook. Like I love cooking. So I will then start dinner. Right. And if the kids need homework or whatever, like I'm helping to do that too. We get dinner going. I have gotten a little bit smarter, ladies. I do do Blue Apron twice a week. Nice. So that comes to the house. And then I just look at my husband, Cliff, and I'm like, here you go. All the ingredients are here. I couldn't make it any easier. You (laughs) just have to put it together now. And as Gina will know, sometimes mm, that's even questionable. And I'll end up cooking. (laughs) But I try and make it as easy as possible. So we eat. We try and always eat together. Like, and that's, I have to say the beauty of having fast casuals. I don't have a dinner service anymore, which was really killing me with Bernays because in a fine dining restaurant, when customers are coming in, they want to see your face. They want to say hello to you. And that's usually between like six and nine o'clock at night. Right. Which is like prime kid hour. So I'm very thankful that I don't have that scenario anymore. And so what happens is we'll do dinner. Everybody will kind of go into their own things. And then I start work again. And then my kids are like, why are you working? And I'm like, I'm now working and you have to go to bed because it's nine o'clock at night. And I've just spent four hours here, but I still have 20 more things to do on my list. And so I'll work, whether I'm like on the TV or whatever it is, I'll be on the computer till about midnight. Wow. So when you're tired, I'm tired. When when you're sitting at, so people listening to this and you're daydreaming now because you've been home with COVID for 14 weeks and you're like, what am I going to do with my next part of my life? Think very hard if you're the kind of person that can literally navigate that much to do. And this is 24 hours. Restaurants are 365. 365. And you know what? I always say to everybody that's like always thinking like how much fun it would be to own a restaurant. There is, you know, there's a sub, there's a restaurant culture, right? And we love that. And I love that I know people in the industry and I feed off of them and that. But this is not the easiest way to make a living. (laughs) No. You have to be a little bit fucking crazy. Yes. It may be, yeah, totally stupid. I mean, and the crazy (laughs) part is, is that all of that just involves one restaurant, right? So then add all the other things like dealing with franchisees, trying to open overseas, trying to deal with a location at an airport, trying to open up in Florida, And you have, you know, what I like to call total chaos every day. And then you have your family. And it's, and it's it's really, you're right. It's a blender. You add all the ingredients and then you hit high speed. And that's what your day is like. And then all of a sudden you stop 
and it's time to go to bed. And you're like, how did all this just went on? Right, right. And the only, the crazier part, I'll say this, and I'm sure Gina's feeling that this as well, is during the first couple weeks of COVID, I've never worked harder. Like it was, it's been insane because it's been constant pivot and safety regulations and trying to figure out what's happening or, okay, now we're not serving inside. So how can we do takeout? How do we wrap a burger for delivery so it's not gross and soggy, right? I mean, it's been absolutely nuts trying to figure out. On top of that, how do you explain to your children in the midst of all this that the world has changed? Right. So like right. how, so, so let's, talk, let's talk about how, how some people did this, right? So let's get your opinion on how did you tell your children they're no longer doing their shuffle, that there's a pandemic, you have to wear a mask, and they had to accept it. Because you had to have that in your house on top of trying to get the restaurants. Like having your yeah. little ones go that so, route is terrifying. It It is terrifying. And I will say maybe I didn't handle it in the best possible way. But um, why did so, you like burn their like stuff from school or something? I kept, so when so the week <laughs> before they shut the schools, the week before they shut the schools, we had two COVID cases in Crystal City. And my franchisee was emailing me and my parents live in Crystal City. And so on Monday night, after we got from work, I called my parents and I'm like, you're not allowed to come into work anymore, which of course, then my mother ensued with like a screaming match with me. And then I was yelling back at her and I was like, no, you're staying put. And so Tuesday rolls around and I have a daughter that has severe asthma. And of course, back then, like you weren't really sure what was affecting it. And so I kept her from home. And she was like, why are you being, you're such a weird mom. You're so difficult. Why all my friends are at school, you know, this, that, and this. So she was upset at me. And I'm like, no, both of the girls are staying home. My son who goes to a little word Greek. So he goes to a Greek daycare at the bottom of a church. I was like, you can go. I get a call Tuesday at 1130 from the Greek daycare. And they're like, a parent was in Crystal City in the same building of the COVID thing. And so I'm like, okay, we're now, so I left work. I'd been at work for two hours. I leave work. I go get my son and I'm like, okay, now we're all home. And I'm working from home and this is a situation and we don't know what it is. And so everybody's just staying home. And every day my oldest thought I was like the worst mom ever. <laughs> And, you know, it was just, they were fighting with me. They wanted to go to recess and they wanted to play. And why couldn't they do any of their extracurricular activities? And my philosophy of telling them about COVID, which softened was, nope, we're staying home. We don't know what's going on. Everybody figure out what to do. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, and then I, because then, so FYI, then Wednesday rolls around and guess what? Me, I'm writing safety guidelines for franchisees, right? I'm doing updates twice a day for people on what's happening, what to do with your restaurant. I'm ordering bacterial hand, I mean, it just became crazy, right? We're sanitizing extra. And then the second week we're figuring out, okay, we're gonna do takeout and pickup here. So like now I have to get a bunch of paper goods that I never had to get before because we never offered those services before. And so what ended up happening to Gina's point is, the kids actually saw me working all day. And then comes the mom guilt of, no, I can't help you read because I actually have to do work. It's 11 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Or no, I can't do this. You know, I have to figure out work issues. So I can't sit with you and do your math and I can't figure out the, and so it just becomes like a push and pull of how, 
you navigate that. And then so, you know, I don't know for you, Gina, but what happened for me is now my day is doubly long. So, you know, the kids are coming at me all day with their stuff. I'm trying to work. And so instead of me just being able to go to work from like nine to four and come home and spend time with the kids, I'm now working from like seven, right? To like mid, it's like an all day thing. And I don't have any time for myself. I think, and, and you know what? That mom guilt is real because I feel like, oh, and, and I feel like it's, but I'm going to say it out loud. It's okay. They're right. going to be fine. But you, you, like, no, we we're going to be damaged. But all of, <laughs> all of us, like, you really need to take that level of guilt off of you. And I think once you produce a human out of your body, you no longer can, can, can take that, wipe that guilt away. You feel like no, you're not it's doing, always there. you feel like you're not doing the right thing. So I'm going to tell you what. I, the week before all this craziness started, and even before that, like for years, Gina and I participate in a ton of events, charity work. Oh, my friend's got this event. Let's go here. Let's go that. I do so many events at night. And that was all because A, I love seeing the people, but B, I was always nervous that our brand wasn't out there enough. Right. So like, let's go here. Let's, let's, these people see us at this event. Let's everybody see us. And it starts to get, you stop for a minute and you're like, okay, well, I get to see the kids from like four to seven and then I'm at an event. And if I'm doing that three nights a week, then it becomes really crazy, right? The mom guilt thing really plays into, I'm trying to make some money so these kids can do what they want. We can have nice vacations and they can, you know, go to college if they want to go to college or whatever it is. And at the same time, I'm taking time away from them. So it's a real kind of push and pull constant, constantly. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure I can't, I again, can't even fathom what all those other pieces are. I feel bad when my puppies don't get to go play at the park. Take <laughs> <laughs> my kids with your puppies. It's fine. <laughs> I just, you know, I just think that like, I, I really want people to understand that like, you know, being a parent during COVID has been more difficult, I think, than really anything. Anything you could possibly do or tell me about like taking loans, PPP, navigating safety rule, whatever it is, the adults can understand. Telling your five and six-year-old, your 10-year-old that their social life is shut, they're not going to school, know their teacher doesn't hate them. Yes, I love you, but I can't talk to you right now. Right, and you can't have play dates. And, and, you, and, and here, talk to your friends via Zoom. They don't understand right. Zoom. No, and they my don't. kids don't like it. They're like on Zoom like a little bit, and then they're like, yeah, we're done with this. We're not doing this, which is going to be great come September when all the schools are on Zoom. I can't wait for that I was gonna month. Get, I, was gonna get I can't to wait that. for that month, Gina. That's going to be great. <laughs> That's, That's like my next thing. So, yeah. so one thing I do, I, I, want, I want you to like kind of like elaborate on, like, and I think is really important is if you could tell one mom out there, one mom that's listening right now and is like going to pull her hair out, what was one of the best navigational tools or something that you did for your kids that you – 100% have to do like every day in order to keep them sane? Oh, that's a great question. So my kids, I think, have like my personality, which is not a good thing. But <laughs> what they do is they focus on something for a little bit, and then it has to be something else. So what we've been doing is we've been like, riding a wave of like, okay, we're gonna bake for the next two weeks. And you guys go through cookbooks, and you open them up and you figure out what it is that you want to bake. And after that, okay, now we're gonna cook a dinner, a this, a that. Okay, now we're gonna do painting. 
Now, so it's like every week I've had to do a different activity, but my thought would be pick one thing, go for it for a week and then switch it up, right? Because the difference here is like you're with your kids all the time. And as sick as you are of your kids, your kids are sick of you. Hate me. Right? Like they're like, we're done here. They want to move on. Full on asking me to go to New York to visit their aunts who they're normally like, I don't want to see my, I see my aunt. So I I agree with you. (laughs) Right. I I was going to say the same thing, but you know, I'm going to do the one thing that we do for each other and that's make a drink. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that should a hundred percent be on your list of your daytime (laughs) events. There should be mom drink. So Mish Mish is in, uh, she's at the beach right now. And she told me that she is drinking um, Campari and sparkling wine, Prosecco, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly right. It's been my daily fix. I'm not going to divulge what time I start. Let's just say it's five o'clock somewhere. The sun's up. Let's just say it's sunny. Sun's up. Sunny. All right. So we're going to make a drink. So you you can use um, Campari for this. You can. So basically, let me just show you. You can use Campari for this. You can use Aperol. And what we're going to make is a version of a Venetian cocktail called the Spritz, right? So really, a Spritz is very, very simple. It's just legitimately whatever fruit, cucumbers, vegetables, um, scraps that you have around with Aperol or Campari. And then... And then a sparkling Prosecco if you're in Italy, Cava if you're in Spain, Champagne if you're in France, right? So I'm going to use a Cava. You're going to use Prosecco. What are you going to use, Louise? I have, hold on, let's see. Champagne. Champagne? Yes. Fabulous. So we gotta, I mean, because the reality is, who doesn't want to be in France or Italy right now? I mean, sure. I know. I'd rather be there now than here, for sure. Yeah. All right, so what are you going to use? Are you going to use Aperol or a Campari, Louise? I have Aperol. Okay. So, and you're using, all right, so this is the only variation. If you're going to use Campari in this drink, you're going to use three quarters of an ounce. If you're going to use Aperol, you're going to use one ounce. Why is that, Gina? Um, just the bitter. Uh, so Campari is a little bit more bitter than Aperol. I love this sound. Okay. So. Uh, Gina's being professional. I like to just pour. <laughs> I, well, I have to imagine this. Yeah. So we're Gina's being, the... Gina, as she is, is being a real bartender. I'm sorry, Gina. Um, we're mixing right into the glass. I yeah. lost that part. There we uh, go. Sorry. Hold it, Andrew. My instructions oh, are like, go chill here. They, okay. <laughs> go to here. <laughs> All right. Just so here. now you have the, um, you have your Campari Aperol on the bottom of the glass. Now, this is actually the most important thing that we're going to do. And it's called cocktail decorating. All right. Okay. So what I have here is... Um, strawberries, cucumbers, and this drink is really great when you layer it, okay? So in there, I put, I already put some strawberries, and I'm going to put some cucumbers, and I'm going to leave it, right? Then I'm going to take a little bit of ice. Give me strawberries. And I'm going to put some ice in the drink, right? Now I'm going to take, I don't know, I had an orange. I'm going to put some more strawberries, cucumber. Oh, I love that. And then a lemon, okay? So basically, I'm making a cocktail parfait. And now I'm going to put some more ice. And you're like, well, where's the champagne? We're going to get to that, right? So I'm going to put that in there. Um, you need a prep I, cook for this one. You don't need yeah, a prep cook for this one. So now you're going to hey, take... Hey, where's Spike? You're now yes. going to take <laughs> your, your, show up now. your champagne, whatever you want, and you're going to fill it up, right? 
Was I supposed to put and ice back on top, Gina, or is it yeah, just Yeah, you time? can, and then it's gonna, it might fizzle over just a little bit just because I went too fast. Just go nice and slow and it won't spill over. And you're gonna put it in, right? So now you have this gorgeous layered cocktail. You have to do the ice in, in a little bit in segments, otherwise it will 100% spill. And then you're just gonna decorate the top and you can put whatever you like and I'm gonna do, make sure you can see it because that's a little higher. A little bit of a little bit of cucumber, the lemon, and put that on there. And then you basically have a nice little Venetian uh, sunrise, if you will. All right. Oh, how pretty! Now, let's put our, our straw in there, and and then we have our, our cocktail. All right. Oh, you look pretty. Cheers. So, what do we think? I think it's delicious, Louise. I think I could drink this all day long. The best thing about this cocktail is the fact that when the water starts to get a little bit watered down, it gets a little bit more, um, like not as pungent on the bitter and more sweet on the other side. But you don't need Do you, any I like the sugar. bitter taste. Yeah. But you don't need any more sugar or anything else in that cocktail. That cocktail is perfect just the way it is. Just like I, I love it. And it's just, it to me, this cocktail just speaks summertime, right? I'm just picturing myself on a beach in Positano, you know, on the cliffs or something, or on the south of France, no children. <laughs> <laughs> that, and that brings me to my next point. The reason why I love this cocktail so much, honestly, is because if you have your kids and you have to do something with them, it's a very easy cocktail to adopt into them making themselves their own ice and fruit and vegetable parfait. And then they can just put a little bit of soda water or flavored soda water in there. And you might trick your children into having fruit or vegetables or cucumbers or right. carrots or whatever because they made it and they'll eat it and they'll drink it. And, you know, we all need to figure out clever ways as moms to get those things in our children's bodies. It's <laughs> very easy to give them ice That's cream. That's true. Very hard to get a vegetable in there. Yeah. Could you not just let them eat the fruit out of your cocktail so then they take a nap <laughs> I too? I mean, that <laughs> always works. If this was 1900, I'd be like, here's your shot of whiskey for the day. Have a good night. Well, you know, in Italy, they still, I mean, you know. That's why they live a, they live a, uh, La Vita Bella, right? So. Yes, that's exactly right. All right, Louise. So, no, we have uh, we have to tell everyone where they're going to go, Gina. We got a little housekeeping. Where are they going to go to get this cocktail as well as all the other cocktails from every show before this? Where are they get your tips and they're gonna, tricks? They're going to go to Designated Show. Wait, where? They're going to go to Designated Show for all of my tricks on how to cut perfectly symmetrical oranges and other things. Oh, my, I mean, <laughs> love it. Oh, God. It's, it's in your guys' blood. <laughs> That's a hack job, Micheline. Listen, Gina. <laughs> um, so we have one more question. Okay. I had a serrated knife. Are yeah, of course. You could ask us many questions. All right, so now here's the real trick. Do you actually listen to our show? I did listen to your show. Boom, okay, boom, so the, boom. the last question. So the last question is, in, in this day and age, Especially if you have children, everybody identifies themselves. Can I, wait, can I just stop you for a minute? Yes. It would be truly horrible if I got on the show and never <laughs> listened to the show. That would make me a complete idiot. So <laughs> I did listen to the show late at night when everybody was asleep. And so you pushed my bedtime back a couple hours. But now please go ahead. <laughs> All right. So in this when everybody identifies themselves with some spirited animal. And because you have children, it might be a magical narwhal for you. And it has polka dots and it lives under the sea. And then every now and again, it can speak above the water. Where the hell does this come from? If you were- <laughs> That's a, spirit, a great animal. If you were a spirit ingredient, 
Oh, a spirit ingredient. Yes. And one ingredient can define your spirit. What would you be and why? I had to think long and hard about this, ladies. And I went with, um, well, I had a few, obviously, but the one I, I, I had a few and being of Greek background, right? It was really hard to pin me down to one ingredient. Uh, but I ended up going with, um, one of my favorite things to make for my kids is Mexican hot chocolate. Mm. And I love putting a little bit of the chili powder in there. Um, cause I feel like it's soothing, but a little spicy. I love and that. that's kind of my personality. Soothing and spicy. Soothing and spicy. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff, I hope that you're listening to that. Cause that means number four could be on the way. Who knows? No. Never, no. <laughs> never. That's a hard no. <laughs> well, but, you know, Gina, she did have a long break between two and three. Exactly, you never know Louise. what could happen exactly. with you. You never know. They, they, you listen, never know. don't rub my lamp, all right? Listen, no surprises coming here. I will say this. I will say this. Three for any moms that are listening that have three kids or are even thinking of a third. <laughs> they are cute, yes. But three will push you over the edge. Like <laughs> with two, you're kind of on a cliff and you're hanging on and you're like, this kind of seems okay. As they get older, we'll be good to go. Then you have your third and you just, it just skyrockets. <laughs> just, it's a slow. And now you're just every day, you're like, I'm holding on for dear life. I can never get a footing. It never happens. So two, you're, Gina's still in that zone because hers are young, but it'll get so much better for her. But then you add the third and it's like, mm, wow, not smart. <laughs> I love that advice. That's going to be yeah. like every time we so, do a mom. So there's a struggle and it's real. And moms with more than two, moms with two children have it, but moms with more than two children have it. Uh, if your day is completely chaotic and nothing is working out, that's normal. You're good. You're a great mom. <laughs> You're a great mom. Well, cheers to being Thanks. a great cheers mom. Cheers to being a great mom. Cheers. The mothers cheers. of all mothers. <laughs> Micheline, enjoy your vacation. Thank you Thank for you coming. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I love you ladies and I love your show. So it's been a real honor. Bye, my love. Thanks. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. To learn more about HCOA or to find out about Missing Link's other podcasts, head over to missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company. 